Schaefer? Come in, Schaefer. Did you get to the part where it says that he's living in a camper in Louisiana? Like, because that that comes up somewhere in one article. It was like, it was like he's living at the end of the road in a camper in Kentwood, Louisiana. And then like, but simultaneously, he's like managed to pay himself like a quarter of a million dollars a year or something. You know, so I'm like, what is he doing with the money? Like, what? But, uh... last light of the Texas sun winks from behind the pecan trees while the fireflies dance in the gloaming as night settles over the hill country surrounding Austin, Texas. And we prepare for episode 138 or 99 of One Magical Hour, a Matthew and Schaefer podcast spectacular so happy to be here with you one magical nation on this matthew's back porch where we will be subjecting you to another hour of avocado reviews poems things we've been wondering about lately and of course minutia but first let's uh let's get a few items of business out of the way one of the most important, if not the most important, is welcoming the Bartles to my James, the Lord of the Lightning Bugs, the pride of Tarzana, California, Matthew Rampy. Buss it. In the city, Shafee looks pretty. Matthew tells jokes so he can seem witty. Tell a funny joke on your arts podcast and someone will comment that we might not last. Listeners, fake and goodness, gray wish, gracious, they want to cast to make their life spacious. You got no laptop and you got no phone? Then I don't know what you do while your chores at home. Some comments are terrible, really not shareable. OMH sounds great on that wearable. They're trolling all the internet's getting a rise, but our positive vibes will be their demise. So on the cast, you're walking, nonsense talking. Split all the sides like carving up the Balkans. A troll runs something up the mizzen mass so don't just sit there bust the cast if you download uh we'll record uh if you download shafy yeah just bust a cast <clears throat> break it down for me shafy i think you just broke it down my friend i think you broke you broke my mind did i you broke uh, that was awesome good i've been thinking about that one for a minute and i just needed some time to write it down and i finally got it I just, I just, it came to me and I just like wrote it out. Obviously, a, much of a significant portion of One Magical Nation knows that that's, that's the jewel of your karaoke oh, yeah. war chest. Yeah, yeah. Matthew yeah. Rampey. Those of you who don't know, Matthew Rampey, when, when the karaoke, when at the karaoke bar, Matthew decides to dust that song off, it brings the house down. Everybody loves that song. The record scratches the, secretaries get out their handkerchiefs and wipe the sweat off their face because they're grooving so hard. And Matthew just takes over the whole room. Yeah. It's amazing to watch. So I was waiting for this parody. I knew it was coming at some point and I was excited for it. So yeah, there was the time at no um, time, like one thirty nine. to bust No, one thirty nine is where it's at. <laughs> I told him what time it was. Um, 
There was a time at Common <coughs> Interest, the, the Common Interest Bar, which is a, a karaoke bar up here on Burnett Road, for those who don't know. Actually, of a, a friend of ours, Dad, owns that place. And um, we were there one night. This is with some of the homie group, Jay's younger brother's crew, right? And Oh, this was not at the... That one magical night, a Matthew. No, no, you were not. You were not there. You were not there. Um, uh, Wilson, do you you know Wilson and 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 Dan and I think uh, maybe Tucker and and Hugh Nation were all there. Hugh Nation was there. Wilson. We talked about this when we talked to Hugh Nation. Wilson must hate the movie Castaway. Probably. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he prefers being called that because his name is John too. That's like his last name. Um, I got up to do that and Hugh Nation had to leave the bar. He, he was, he was, he felt, I mean, before I got on stage, he was feeling this like ultimate shame for me going up and doing karaoke. He didn't even know what I was doing. Yeah. And then I got up there and I melt everybody's face. There was a, there was a, a birthday party of brothers and sisters and they were having a good time and doing R and B hits. And I got, I got everybody grooving. And then my friends were just like, it was really a face melting moment for those guys. You know, uh, they weren't expecting that. You never, you never expect a a guy like me to get up on stage and just like crush something like that song. It's not easy. And I don't, I know the words so well that I don't have to look at the monitors. I'm just looking at the people. Man, I've seen it. And it is an amazing. Yeah. It's a gift. It's a gift. I'm thankful for, for the mind that I've been given. And that's one that it probably has the widest appeal to the most people at any given karaoke room. It's really, it's such a great track. You and know, everybody remembers it so fondly. And, and that's, that's such a, a credit to you to like appeal to the room in that way. Cause I, of course, like you go, I go like way obscure. People Warren are like, Zivon. Or yeah, Warren Zevon, you know, everybody's like, I'm going I, to sleep now. I feel like the, the karaoke machine makers probably in there, like whatever this process is where they choose the tracks that yeah. are going to be on the karaoke machine. I feel like they probably got the Warren Zevon and we're like, eh, well, I guess maybe there's two, three guys might do that. Sure. <laughs> it's not a, I don't think that particular is a big karaoke thing, right? Have you ever heard anybody else at a bar? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. No, okay. Of course That's not. what I'm talking about. <laughs> At least not lawyers, guns, and money. That's the one that I did. Well, what what other like, uh, obscure people might tracks? do? People might do uh, werewolves in London. I'm sure that people do I that see. one all the I, time. I see. Yeah. And I like that would have been slightly better had I done that and not the even more obscure one. Okay. You know, as far as as at least as far as like happy hour secretaries are concerned. I didn't realize he even had like a a, a song that was that big. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he is the excitable boy. Well, what what other he is, really he is David things. Letterman and Hunter Thompson's favorite singer. Is that right? Okay. Uh, okay. And then I'd like I often do Doctor Hook, which is this what like seventies like stoner rock band. Oh my god! Which all of like the distinct the the most significant thing about Doctor Hook is that all of their hits were written by Shel Silverstein. Oh, but like the adult weird Shel Silverstein, right? So they're all about like running marijuana across the border and hookers and getting venereal diseases and like yeah. you know he's like he got his all of his yayas out right and I see right yeah. in those lyrics and then 
And Dr. Hook turned them into big hits. Also, cover of a Rolling Stone, you know, that song. It was that was figured big in the movie Almost Famous. That was a big hit for them. Okay. But also written by Shel Silverstein. I see. I want to see my picture on the cover of a Rolling Stone. Oh. Um, hey, I'm not familiar with there's that. There's one called The Queen something. of the Silver Dollar that's just all about this uh, bar, Lady Barfly. Um, and that was big hit by some female country singer. I can't remember which one. Had a big hit with that, but okay. also Dr. Hook. <laughs> I think they, a couple of uh, non-Shell Silverstein hits. Uh, I think Dr. Hook had a hit called Baby Makes Her Blue Jeans Talk. Oh. No. <laughs> What's that, that about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that was Dr. Hook in the 70s. Anyway, let's talk about something. Else. Okay. Um, <laughs> this, I mean, this could go right into this this thing I wanted to talk to you about. Um, I I think this might be um, in terms of like pure like segments. Like, what segment is this? I think this is a Shafee. Have you ever wondered? Or no, no, that, I don't think that's right. Um, this is a uh, oh, this is a a thing Matthew's wondering. I guess. Mm-hmm. But not not something. It's not exactly a Matthew. Have you ever wondered? But I thought it was a thing that uh, I could wonder about out loud on the podcast. And so, can we play the song with my niece and nephew, Matthew? Have you ever wondered? Um, yeah, if I can find it or can remember that. Look, I'll make a note here. <laughs> I'll make a note here. I was going to say I can email you right now. Uh, I'm excited. Yeah, Matthew. Had- I okay. Here's what I want to ask. You, really Shafee. need to do a better Shafee, job. Shafee, okay. Well, here's the deal. <laughs> Our friend Chris Jensen has trouble hiring someone that he's going to work closely with in his home remodeling business. And we've joked that, or I've joked. I don't think anybody else thinks it's funny. Uh, we've said. When you're looking for somebody, what do you ask them? And, uh, you know, it's like, hey, do you have tools? Do you have a truck? Uh, how do you feel about Steve Malkmus? Um, <laughs> and so I was joking about that. And then he texted me, <coughs> oh, if you're interviewing a guy, ask him who his favorite bass player is. Boots and if college. he says, oh, well, you got the job. <laughs> If he says Flea or Bootsy, he's hired, <laughs> is what Chris said. And then that made me wonder. Maybe this is the part where it's like, it made me wonder, who's my favorite bass player of all time? And so I go to the interwebs, and uh, the interwebs gives, and it takes, but it gave me this Rolling Stone article, the 50 greatest bassists of all time. Now I'm I'm gonna click on this, but I swear this this article, the Rolling Stone site, kind of made my machine chug. I see Bootsy right there. Last time, Bootsy's right on the on the top. That's Esperanza Spalding. That's also Flea. Flea, yeah, yeah, in the graphic. Flea. Let me okay without but looking. Let's not, let's not look at that until. Do you have an answer? Do you have me, some answers? Yeah, like well, I, I already said you know Bootsy's my favorite, but uh. I'm gonna guess in in Rolling Stone's top ten, uh, 
Uh, Getty Lee has to be in there, right? Doesn't he play the bass in Rush? Getty Lee's on my list. And uh, and that dude from Primus has to be way up there. He's on the list. I don't rate him that high. I feel like if they say Les Claypool, maybe they're oh, maybe, Les they're, Claypool, yeah. maybe they're not really dwell best employee material. Also, uh, obviously, uh, Sting. Once again, not on my list, but I bet it's on theirs. Um, yeah, yeah, you got you. You're you're nailing it. But uh, but yeah, for me, Bootsy. Uh, who else? I mean, they've got to be some other funk bassist. Whoever the dude is who plays, and I used to know this answer, the guy who plays like on a, on the Paul Simon solo records, you know. Whoever plays on that. Yeah. Uh, you can call me Al. Uh-huh. That's a great one. Uh, anyway, that's that's probably about. Well, I don't want to go down the whole list. You named a ton of them. There's there's going to be some here that were like oh Thundercat obvious obvious ones that you didn't. There's 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 one oh Kim Deal. Oh yeah, Kim Deal. Sure. Mm -hmm. I don't know who that is. Uh, he's from the set. Oh, Peter Hook. No relation to Doctor. Oh, Hook. okay. Esperanza Spalding, who's number forty-five on the list, but somehow made the uh, uh, the graphic. Um, are oh you, yeah, are, Mike you Watt. Into, are you into Mike Watt? Yeah, I know that some people are. Mike Watt's forty-three on the list. I don't list. know how I forgot about Mike Watt. Um, I don't know who Tony Levin is. There's there are a lot of these again. There's probably some older musicians now. Kim, ah, Kim Gordon. Kim Gordon. Yeah. Yeah, that's Sonic Youth, right? I should if I'd started just thinking about my um Les Claypool comes in at 36. I guess that's okay. Um there, there's uh Lemmy? I didn't realize Lemmy played bass. Oh, you got Did you say Sting? Yeah. I thought he yeah. would be higher than yeah, that. Not Sting that, Sting's at 32. Not that I would put him higher than that. But. There's there's one that you're going to be like, "Oh yeah, I was." Um there, there are a number of, of bases here that I, I'm totally not familiar with. Um, but at number 24, Getty Lee. Of course, you know I'm a big Rush fan. Mm -hmm. Flea is 22. I don't think that's quite right. What about Geezer Butler? Black Sabbath. Where is he? He's 21. I, I think he would be. We're getting in the so we're getting in the 20s. Rick Danko. I don't know who that is. Verdine White. Did I say that right? Yeah. Uh, okay, his name is Bakithi Kamalo. Okay. Well, he, I think he was on here, right? He must be. He's the guy who played bass on You Can Call Me Al. Uh, well, shoot. I can't, I can't scroll back to the top. No worries. But uh, this is probably not great. Uh, Imaginary Radio. John JPJ, Paul Jones. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um. There's a lot of probably classic Willie Willie yeah. Dixon. I don't know who's Phil Lesh. Uh, oh, that was the Grateful, Grateful Dead. Dead. Yeah, Ron Carter, Paul McCartney. Uh, right, right. Uh, that was one, that's <laughs> one where you forget. Uh, what about Jaco Pastorius at number eight? Mm, I, I would move him higher up. 
I, I know he's like a virtuoso and stuff, but I think wait a minute, he's a big blind spot for me. Uh, okay, fair enough. Who's the Rolling Stones bassist? But Bootsy's number four. Here's the top five. Top five: Carol Kay, cutting her teeth in fifties jazz. Bootsy Collins, John Entwistle. That's the Who. Charles Mingus. Uh, yeah, I was number trying to two. remember. And who is jazz the number guys, one? James Jamerson. Jimmy Jamerson. <laughs> okay. Who anchored the Motown rhythm session? Section, oh, sure. Yeah. You know. Yeah, he's probably. Paul, like, he, was Paul McC- he was Paul McCartney's hero. Bass track yeah. So, right. yeah, I don't know. We wonder things and then we talk about them on the show and, and then people stop listening. If Matthew stops wondering, we would have to stop recording. Speaking of stopping recording, we're going to come back with some brand new section, brand new classic section. Segments? Segment. Sections or segments? What? Like I think I, they're segments. Yeah, we've been calling them segments. This, we should come up with a better term for it, I think. I'm all ears. Yeah. I, I want us to just rewrite the language. It's going to be... We should put on our little blurb, rewriting... This is definitely... Yeah. <laughs> this is definitely going to become a mainstay. Uh, the uh, Papa Shafee's lift driving stories. Oh, yes. Uh, but first, we're going to take a pause for the cause. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Matthew. You ever need to go from one place to the other? You know, Shafee, sometimes I do. Maybe you've uh, had a drink or two. Maybe you've done something else. Maybe something a little more illegal. Right, right. You need somebody to take you there. You you can always whip out your computer in your pocket, your smartphone, hit that pink button, and get Uncle Shafee come a-running in the magic blue Lincoln to take you wherever you need to go, almost any time of day. And uh, and I never mind doing it because it builds my uh, builds my. No wait, what's the se- what's the segment title? Builds my war chest of Uncle Shafee's lift driving stories. Uncle Shafee's lift driving stories. Mama Shafee's lift, lift driving stories. Mama Shafee, done been out in the world. Cousin, Tell us about it. Cousin Shay comes running. Are these like um, moralistic tales? Is this like Aesop's fables? I some of them. <laughs> oh man! Oh, that jogged your memory immediately. I had yeah. I have one that I'm just like I'm not even gonna tell you because oh. I asked a question that I didn't think of all the possible answers to. Oh, and it led to a profoundly sad conversation where I had to like do my best to like uh help this. 19-year-old with a drug problem feel better about herself. Oh, dear. It was... A uh, how old? 19? Yeah. It was really... And she, she started talking about her habit? Yeah. Okay. Wow. I guess... This segment got heavy, or whatever <laughs> was, we're calling them these days. You gotta be careful what questions you ask. Because someone might answer brutally honestly. Oh. And, uh... You were like, how's your sobriety going? <laughs> no, was, that... Well, the funny thing is, like, here's how it happened. The, the, uh, 
here's how it happened. I I drive for Lyft, right? Yes. And when I first allegedly when I first moved to Austin, I try I applied for Uber, and they had they did a background check on me, and some strange warrant popped in Kings County, Brooklyn, New York. That like since then, like I've had lawyer friends try to find, and they can't locate it. Oh. But Uber found it. And uh, and I at the time I didn't think to try doing Lyft. Instead, I was just like kind of depressed and like kind of felt like I had screwed up my life, you know. And uh, and so I never. And so it was. It was years later that I was like, hey, I should try Lyft and see what happens. And they're like, Yeah, come on, drive for us. Ah. Uh, so I'm I'm telling the story, and you know, like I say, this thing, this warrant doesn't exist. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. You know, I've flown internationally since then. I've gotten you know. I've gotten government licenses to, you know, do important things. I've, I've been, I've had, you know, state troopers run my background, you know, just for a speeding ticket or whatever. Everything's fine. You know, they let you do this podcast. They, they let me talk uh, into the microphone for literally. <laughs> Indeterminate periods of time. Literally Allegedly one hour. 100 people. Uh uh, so, so I'm, I'm telling this cause, uh, we were having a little trouble with the app, uh, when I picked this gal up over on the east side. Okay. And, uh. Is it cause of the app was on heroin? No, <laughs> the app was, the app was just misbehaving. And I told her, and she was like, you know, I think Uber works a little better than Lyft. And I, and I, so I told her the story. I was like, you know, and cause recently I tried, okay, so recently I tried to add Uber just because I wanted to have the option of doing either one. Um, so I could maybe get better fares, you know, just because they, they have different hourly rates depending on demand and all that uh, good stuff. So I reapplied and like they didn't even run my background check. They just referred back to 15 years ago when they found that thing. Oh, on me, and they're like, no, you can't do that. You were flagged. In so, system. Yeah, wow. Like, so I tell this, I tell this when she says, you know, I think Uber runs all the way. I was like, maybe you're right, but I tell this about it, and she goes, really? She's like, cause, uh, cause, you know, my boyfriend, he's like, she's like, he's got three felonies and he sells, you know, he sells drugs out of his car and he drives, you know, he drives Uber. Huh. <laughs> I was like, okay, maybe. <laughs> Seems like their system is so, faulty. So that I'm like, <laughs> I'm trying to like crack jokes about you know uh, you know and at the time you know I just, you know and then I and then I just I lightheartedly asked a question and she answered you know and it turned out like she like you know was adopted and adop- adopted by some bad people they raced her the wrong way and uh, it was like soft white underbelly um, yeah and I just like and I was tell you know I was telling her you know how. I've heard how hard things are, you know, basically talking about the American opioid crisis. And, uh, but she lives with her grandma and her grandma takes care of her. And, uh, she wants to turn things around. So maybe there's a happy ending here somewhere. I don't know. Sorry to drop all that. Out. So it got real serious. Yeah. <laughs> and then, bam, my very next ride, I pick up a dude who is in the process of passing a kidney stone. Oh. And now, this gets, is a very painful event. Yeah. <laughs> I did, right? I'm told I've never done it before. Me neither. But I can only imagine. I, I was trying. I just kept saying that. I'm like, I'm sorry, man. 
I can't say I know exactly what you're going through, but I've certainly heard. And so he called you to get him to the hospital? I had to get him to the hospital. You got that guy to the hospital? I had to get that guy to the hospital. And I did. But he gets in, and he's like, he, he like comes in hot like a pistol. He's jumping in, and he's like, he's like, emergency room. I'm like, here we go. All right. And uh, he's like, he's talking like a mile a minute, obviously, to keep his mind off things. And he's, re- <clears throat> he's really excited that I have red hair and a red beard. He's got a red hair and a red beard, too. That means we're Vikings. He's like, and then, oh, like, You're Vikings. Groaning in the back. So in between, like, we're Vikings, we're brothers, you, you and me, man. And I'm like, oh, God. Now, how far did you have to go? Not far from, like, 290 and 183 to the, it was the hospital, like, uh, by the UT campus. Um, well, that's ways. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, no traffic. Okay. Uh-huh. It wasn't so bad. Uh-huh. Uh, but it was long enough for us to bond. And, um, yeah, and he was, like, he was from out of town, like, doing construction work here or something. Mm. So, like, it's just real complicated. Um, oh, with his insurance? Uh, <laughs> no, it seemed to be. He, I think he had good insurance because of, uh, of the construction company. Uh-huh. And they were also paying for the lift. So, he's like... He's like, I'm gonna figure out how to give you a good tip. Oh, <laughs> he's like, nice. like, nice. like, just like things he's doing, anything to keep his mind off of what he's doing. And so he proceeds to like get on like while we're driving and like give me like a twenty dollar tip on the you know on on the company. Uh, so that was funny. He's like, yeah, because because we're Vikings, man, we're red. And uh, <laughs> I do, I got him there, and he was out like a flash but as he was opening the back door he goes tonight i sleep in valhalla jeez (laughs) wow (laughs) uh and i i was looking that was just that i mean obviously that's just two rides one one you know one afternoon i had like a crazy weekend left driving but i wanted to at some point during that weekend, a affair filmed me and was supposed to put something on YouTube. Oh. I haven't been able to find it yet, but I tell the story of the weekend on the YouTube thing. Uh huh. So I want to. Okay. I want to wait until it comes up and then show it to you, and then. Okay. I wanted that to yeah. be an on-air thing, so Great. that's going to be it for. Shape was that called lift. Reverse Cash Cap? Reverse Cash Cap, yeah. Did you tell them the story about you being? On I cash did. Cap? Yeah, that's oh. the first thing I said. Oh. So yeah, guy jumps into my car. And I want to say, I was looking for it, I couldn't find it. Big Crispy is his YouTube name. Uh, and he says he's doing reverse cash cab, which is obviously, instead of the cab driver asking the fare questions, the fare is asking the cab driver questions. Okay. And I was like, sure, I'll is do th- this a thing that people are doing? Apparently, I don't know. Oh. And so. Sounds I, like a wind up. And so Does was, he have an app for that? Is so he- I was like, I'm into this. All right, I'll do it. You know, I was like. Actually, I've been on Cash Cab before, so this is my second rodeo. Okay. Um, so he gets in the back with his microphone, and then a guy with a like steady cam gets in the front. He's filming the two of us. What? Oh, so this guy was doing a, his YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. I see. Uh, it's for, yeah, he was. He was YouTube. It seemed legit. I don't know. Jeez. Um, did you give him your social security number? I did not know. <laughs> I didn't even give him my name. Okay. So, which is making it hard for me to Google it. All right. Um, I won't tell you how it ends, just in case. No, please uh, don't spoil it. But it, I also then 
at the very end, he was like, I bet this is the weirdest lift you've ever had. And I was like, like not funny even you should say that, because the day before, I had had eight hours of the weirdest lifting I've ever done. And I proceeded to tell him all about that right. on film. So if that gets through, then I want that to be a surprise to you, too. Okay. Uh, okay. But Well, it sounds like you're having a good time. Oh, uh, having driving. a blast. I'm so glad. Got the car back, doing the, doing the lifting. It's so much okay. fun. Okay, that's great. And in the post-COVID world, there's a uh, there's just not as much not as many drivers available. It seems no, there is not. So uh, the money's better, huh? Yeah, yeah. I'm averaging I've between paying, thirty and forty dollars an hour. Yeah, I've been paying like I shouldn't um, say that thirty five bucks to get home from Manisha's. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you know you can also call me. I mean, I'll do it for twenty. <laughs> like when was you know at, at twelve thirty on Saturday? You know. Anyway. Sure. Uh, I definitely would have done it, except I think at that time, this is part of that epic Saturday Night story. I think I was giving like a guy, a, a convicted felon in, in uh, Kyle, Texas, a lift to like from one town to another. Oh, part of well, Lord knows what. Fascinating. Part of Lord knows what um, ordeal. Yeah, you know, we hung out last week. We went to Maria's show at the Lost Well. Oh, yeah. How was that? That was fantastic. Corinne Rose. I'm sorry. Maria, I missed Corinne it. Rose, our friend Maria Mabro. She she was crushing it. She, like, she, I really, she, I really had like a, a transcendent moment during her set. Yeah, cool. And um, then, you know, we kind of had a night of it. And then we watched the fights. And I, I got this lift home. And it was a guy from Cuba. And a lot of Cubans lifting we, these we, days. I, I I just started speaking Spanish to him. Yeah. And I later on I tried to speak a little English. I don't think he spoke much English at all. Yeah. And I was, but man, I was muy fluida and borracho uh, uh -huh. that night. And, he, and was he understanding you or he totally was and he was complimentary about my Spanish. Oh good. And, um because I find some Cubans like... I was Cubaning it up for him. I I was I mean I you know I was listening to how he was talking and I was yeah, I was, I was mimicking say, it a bit because they have a very different dialect from Mexican Spanish right I was not putting like Del Norte Norteño on it yeah. like usual which is my natural Spanish accent which is frowned upon in a lot of speaking world not Fronteria but um, I found that anytime <laughs> you have Spanish speaking world is that what it said anytime you have a lift or a Uber driver who, you know, usually if, uh, like if a driver's from Mexico, usually you can do kind of a combination of Spanish and English, si, claro. you know, and they'll kind Most of understand you and you can hold a conversation that way. But if you have a Latin American driver who speaks absolutely no English, you know, and doesn't, you know, can't do your, you know, your, your Spanglish. That usually means he's Cuban because they haven't they've they were cut off and had no Well, I went right into it. I got in the car and his name was Rafael and we just started talking and, and he was driving this Camry that was like racing tricked out nice. and the seats were like red leather. Oh man. They were it was so dope and uh you know, I was drunk, so maybe it wasn't as uh as wonderful for him as it was for me, <laughs> but I think we had a nice conversation. Good. Yeah. I'm sure you had fun, yeah. It was for my birthday, by the way, too. I know it was a little bit of a breach of the 10-year taper. 
I, I went, I had more drinks that day than I had in one day, like in a long time. But I had a lovely time. But you can't see my friend. Just being with people still is not the pandemic. It's going to be many years before I take for granted a social engagement again. No kidding. Each one, I think, man, this is so much better than having nothing to do and no one to see. And I really get fueled up from like seeing my friends and just hanging out. Good. You know. So good times here on episode 139. Hey, I have um, what amounts to probably not really a segment. But it was something that was just like I was thinking about the other day. Maybe this is Matthew's minutia. You know who loves Matthew minutia? Who? Alex Battles and Grant Hall. Oh, man, well, I love those guys, so I'll tell them. I'll tell it for them. Um, don't you hate it when there's a song and it's a really great song, but it reminds you of like a really bad time in your life, <laughs> a really tough time in your life. My example is pretty dumb, I think. But um, I don't know. It happened to me the other day. And I, ha- I mean, I haven't heard this song really like since it was sort of popular. Is this Beck song? It was like, um, it's your life. You got to live it your life. <laughs> um, it's your life. Your life. Live it once. You can't live it twice. So nice. So nice. We're gonna take it around the world. You know, know that song? No. It was about 2016 that this track was kind of popular. Beck got a little bit silly there, didn't he? I mean, I I love Beck because he explores. His albums are different, you know? I really liked this track. I thought it was kind of a return to an earlier Beck. And, um, but it reminds me of a time when I had like I had left the beer distributor and I had gone and done a job. It was like popular while I was doing this job that like broke my brain, and I ended up having a bit of a meltdown. And this is when I ended up getting into therapy. You know, I mean, thank goodness for modern psychology and psychiatry. Like yeah. the therapy has been so great for me. There were so many like issues that i was just ignoring and i don't know but that song that song came on the radio the other day and i hadn't heard it in a long time and it it was just like oh this song is so great but ooh, it's reminding me of this time that was like you know, tinged, tinged with sadness you reminding me of that time that was a rough time for me too. rough time for both of us and you know, I remember us like you know meeting meeting for coffee a couple a couple of times. Okay, like, uh-huh. we're just barely hanging on. Yeah, uh-huh. you know that was when locations for the new bar kept falling through. Yeah, you were struggling, right? I, uh-huh. You know. Uh. So to hearing you talking about that makes me really happy because of where you and I are right now. You know, that's uh, it's better. That is much better. Yeah. So that's good. Do you, can you think of a song I was, that reminds you of a tough time in your life? I was trying to. That's a great song. Not that that Beck song is a great song. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, I was kind of thinking, like, it's funny because, like, high school and college, you know, a lot of people tell you, you know, that's the best time of their lives. Ugh, I hate that shit. And, and I, don't get me wrong, I had plenty of fun, but I was, I had also had a lot of anguish not knowing, you know, what being told that I was supposed to decide what I was going to be and not being sure what I was going to be and not, you know, and I think high school is just hard on everybody. I, well, no matter what, but, and you said high school and college. I always heard that about high school. Yeah. This is the best time of your life. Yeah. And I was like, man, I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> uh, and it wasn't. And then, but, but then college, you know, like some people are ratcheting down, you know, and I was like, I don't, I don't want to ratchet down. I don't know what I want to be, you know? And like, I would like, I'd sit there when I was say 21 years old. Can we do a yows about ratcheting down? <laughs> I would, uh, I would sit there at like 21 years old and be like, okay, I'm 26. I'm graduated college. What am, what am I? What am I doing? Mm. And had like, there was, I could not, there was nothing. I wasn't, you know. Mm. And then, like, I kind of realized that that's, that's a little bit of an illusion. Like, nobody really knows where they're going to be in four years. Some and people seem to be a little Some people are better than others. Absolutely, of course. Uh, some people do. But, uh, but a lot of people don't. And it's not necessarily the worst thing. You know, you can go out and just try things and do them. And that's, like, that was me when I was 23. I'd finally had enough of it. And I was like, all right, if I have to pick something, I'm going to pick poet. That's me. I'm going to be a poet. Oh, <laughs> you just, you pick poet out of like frust <laughs> yeah, frustration and yeah. anger and just like, like shit or get take, off the pot. I was poetry. like, take that world. I'm going to pick the worst job you could possibly wow. think of for ever making any money or ever getting any wow. fame or notoriety. You really showed the world. <laughs> wow. And uh, that's like the best reason to be a poet, I think. Well, yeah. And also I love I love poetry. And oh, we get. I oh, I, love, I see. There's another I layer love reading to this. Poems. Oh. And I and I. Oh, it's not only out of spite. I had shown some aptitude for it, but but mostly it was just like I feel like I have to say that I'm am something. Yeah. All see, of this is to say is high school and college. Like any time for that period between, say, let's say 1993 and 1998. Any of that music kind of puts me back in that angsty I see. time. So, like, like back... Or, so like, Chumbawamba, Tough uh, yeah, Chumbawamba. <laughs> the I Macarena. St I still love Chumbawamba, no matter what. Um, Mambo number five? Uh, red Hot Chili Peppers, I would say, uh -huh. uh, you know. Give it away, give it away now. Uh, figure it out, figure it out, figure it yeah. out, shave. <laughs> You're like, shut up, I Anthony Kiedis. Figure it out, places. figure it out, figure it out now. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, John Frusciante is a really good guitarist. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Fuck the chili peppers and all the pressure they were putting on your shave. <laughs> I put too much pressure on the fans. Is what I've, I've always thought about them. Even though Flea's better than number 22. <laughs> That's interesting. 
That, that was a time that where you and I weren't really connected. Yeah. We were doing our own things. Yeah. We, we really sort of reconnected at the end of that period for you. Yeah, that was really fun, like, having you up in New York, you know. I love, you know, there's certain people who can just show up again out of the blue and you just, like, hop right back into things, you know. And we did that up in New York. It's really fun. Yeah. You know, it's always fun to just go running around New York City acting like a lunatic, too. (laughs) You, um, You can be notoriously hard to read, you know. (laughs) And you can be guarded. Yeah. And, there, and there was this visit, my first visit to New York, um, where I met Tara. I don't know if we've talked about this, but I'm going to say it on the podcast for posterity. How exciting. We, we met, I met Tara in Union Square. And we walked south somewhere to meet you. I remember Tara and I stopped at a coffee shop and I saw David Wayne there of um, Estella, the Michael, David and David, David. David, uh, Michael Showalter, and and um, Michael Ian Black, and David Wayne. You know, they're like uh, a comedian. Com- he's a comedian. Yeah. Okay. This that was a total aside. <laughs> this this segment's called a total aside. You saw who? But then, <laughs> but then we met up with Schaefer Hall, <laughs> and we went to just like a pub. Oh, he's a pub. And we had a pub lunch, and you. You were just like, I, 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 you, you, I mean, you were just struggling with you some were just, sort of crippling hangover. You were just waking up <laughs> and you had a bar shift that you were going to. I remember you were either, you were either playing tennis that day or you had played tennis the day before and you mm-hmm. were like wiped out. And we had this lunch and I was, I was so stoked to be with you and Tara in New York city for my first bucket time. You know, I was out with the I wish I knew where we and ate. Do you remember? We, we, it was, it was like an Irish pub. We could look at the, we could look at union square and I could kind of point you like a, like oh. a few blocks down where we met you. I bet it was cedar. Was it cedar, cedar grill? Could have been. Cedar barn grill? Could have been. That I bet it was. Vaguely familiar. But then you left because you had a shift to get to. And I told Tara, I was like, I don't think Schaefer likes me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, dude, he's just like going to work. And he's like, woke up. And she did. I'm like, yeah, oh yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> I can be so sensitive. Yeah. <sighs> um, um, so I'm glad. Yeah, I bet I'm, that bar was in between Union Square and... Washington Square, and and the the bar is kind of south of there, right? South of Union Square and north of Washington Square, yeah. And kind of a long bar on the right, and some nice woody kind of booths on the left. We sat outside. Oh, it, has, it had a little patio area. Wow, God, this is boring for the listeners. We can move on. Okay, moving on. We've got. Um, we've got a correction. Oh, we were talking about um, I don't remember what we were talking about, but you said Al Swearingen from Deadpool, and I did not know what you were talking about. <laughs> and it was Deadwood. I looked up. I was listening back to the show, and I looked up Al Swearingen. <laughs> and I was like, 
Oh, you were talking about the F word. We were talking about the E button. I believe I called and him. And how a... sometimes we cuss. He, he, he was the Shakespeare of the F word. The or... Shakespeare of the fuck bomb or uh, something. Uh, <laughs> and um, anyway, the, but those are just the things that just like but you I said say dead in passing. Instead of dead I, in my mind, I was like, oh yeah, Alice Wernigen from Deadpool. I was like, I, you know, I don't know I a lot of the characters except Deadpool from Deadpool and maybe his love interest or whatever. Um but speaking of uh, comic movies, no, we weren't. But I did. Uh, here's just a tiny little after minutia. I I've been really strict with like letting my kids watch, you know, only PG movies. But there's all these PG thirteen movies, and my kids are eleven and about to be eight. I say that because I feel bad because I'm letting them watch some PG thirteen movies. But we were watching the Harry Potter series. Please. And we got kind of far into that, and that gets pretty dark and weird. But then I was like, we got Disney Plus, and I love Marvel, and I, I've, I, we haven't been doing any Marvel movies because they're all PG thirteen. And I just relented, and I was like, I'm opening up Marvel movies, and I want to do the chronological watch. It starts with Captain America, the first Avenger. Oh, yeah. Doing. Yeah. There's a, there's the published order in the universe. uh Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm going to try to make them do that. But then Griffin was like, I want to see Black Panther. (laughs) So we watched Black Panther. He also really wants to see uh, Spider-Man Homecoming and No Way Home. And I haven't seen those. And I hear those are great. The best Spider-Man is the. All entirely animated one into the multiverse. Oh well, we've we've seen um, Spider Man into the multiverse. Yes, that one's so good. It is fantastic. Um, but I hear, and then the the most recent one is a close second. Okay. Well, anyway, I'm excited to kind of go. I haven't seen all of the Marvel movies, a lot of them. You know, I they're lots of fun. You know, it's pretty. I really like that uh, Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok is the best one. Uh, I've well, I've already seen it twice. <laughs> and the next year, I think Taika Waititi is uh, he's contracted to make three of them. So the next Taika Waititi Thor movie comes out oh, next year. I love Taika Waititi. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm so excited he's, he's for this. There are some that I haven't seen. I haven't seen Captain Marvel. The scene in Thor Ragnarok where the, they're in uh, they're in the Incredible Hulk's apartment <laughs> like laying low like i oh, wanted yeah. that to turn into a sitcom like yeah. to see like thor and thor and incredible hulk at home like, that would have been very funny so funny yeah that movie is a lot of fun uh captain marvel's cool brie larson i uh i haven't seen that, Ant- i haven't seen ant-man and wasp uh the ant-mans are hilarious the ant-mans are Red. good right uh uh, the Brie Larson one is fun because uh, Captain Marvel is fun because it's ni- it's nineties throwback. Uh huh. So it like begins with like her crash landing into it's a kind of like kind of like that time in your life whenever you hear the songs from yeah yeah right <laughs> when when Schaefer was going through existential anguish <laughs> and blockbusters <laughs> ruled the land. <laughs> Coincidence? And everybody's drinking not. clearly Canadian. Good stuff. I, I feel like that was a little before that actually. I feel like there was the late 80s that clearly Canadian had its reign of terror. Um, uh, like 75 grams of sugar per eight ounce bottle or whatever. Um, 
I'm a sh- I'm 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 gonna go on a sugar. <laughs> uh, I'm going to Valhalla for sugar. So let's you talking about your kids kind of graduating from Harry Potter. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Like, um, spoiler alert! I got a text spoilers from, ahead. Turn off the podcast if you haven't seen all the Harry Potters, or if you're just terribly bored. Uh, got this text from my uh from my brother regarding Dottie, his daughter who's seven years old. She's now they've now blazed through all of the Harry Potters mm. in like the last year and a half or so. She's seven. Yeah. Watching Harry Potter 7 movie and Hedwig is dying. Ugh. Dottie frowns for a second, then shrugs and said, it's already happened. Everything has happened. Harry's over. <laughs> wow. Wow. She's prescient. She can really see what's in front of her. And Well, I think it's because she had finished the book. Oh, I see. And then I see. But, you know, being like, she's done with Harry. She's ready like, for the next she's thing. She's like, everything is everything. But no tears shed for Hedwig, apparently. Wow. <laughs> and wow. sorry if that spoiled anything for a movie and a book that have been out for the last 15 well, years. Well, it did for me. <laughs> I was just saving. I was just savoring it. I'm waiting to watch. I'm waiting to get uh, Harry <coughs> Potter. The sixth movie on a DVD from the library. We're on a waiting list. We're third on the waiting list. I'm kidding. We're not on a waiting list, but we are getting a DVD from the library. That's how we're watching Harry Potter's. So old tiny. This is really kind of a Luddite show. It's either a show for Luddites or it's a show about Luddites, but you can hardly say that because we're sa- we're technologically savvy enough to like for play Luddites. robot beats and you post the show By and Luddites. record it. <laughs> so, I th- what we are is like, we're like the Baptists who wanted to drink. <laughs> so we formed our own church across town. You know what I mean? And not part of the Southern Baptist Convention. Yeah. We're we're Luddites who are also quite good at um computer stuff and and we've got some beat machines, you know, and so like we Are you talking about us in regard to other podcasters or I don't No, I'm talking about What is this metaphor we're assembling here? I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I didn't know that there was gonna be any follow up questions with my <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> So, um, well, I'm just saying that I personally eschew technology to some extent mm-hmm. in terms of like, I don't have to go out and get the newest thing. Like, I've still got a DVD player is what I'm saying, you know? Yeah. And we're doing a podcast, but it is on, we're just in the back porch out back. Like, we're not, Damn, we're not like, we're not super like technologically savvy. We're like just is so that it's like a crop duster? Actually. Is there like a biplane going over? It is. And they're filming a revival of North by Northwest. <laughs> there's a there's a guy in town who thinks he's the little Hitchcock. <laughs> um, you know, regarding the Luddite thing, it's funny 
Because like I, I really am a luddite, but I, in another way, I also really embrace technology. Yeah, but I don't think that it's like, and maybe I don't really understand the core beliefs of the luddites, but I don't think technology is really going to save us. I think it's because you know we're relatively smart people and we have, you know, other hobbies. Like we can kind of go either way. Because like I remember. When I first moved to New York, I held out against cell phones at all. Oh yeah, for, for a long, long time. I right? hit to like 2005. Is that right? Without a cell phone. Holy cow! And I just I had a pocket full of quarters, <laughs> and I call. I loved calling people from bar phones. Yeah, you know, and that was just that was it. And Did I, you yeah, have a little book of I would, numbers? I had a little like uh, a little piece of paper that I kept in my wallet. <laughs> I still remember everyone's phone number from that time, like Lucas. Okay. Nine one seven eight. I won't say it, but uh, oh yeah. Uh, Is it still his number? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, so totally held out. So much fun, and at the time, on every subway platform, there was a payphone. So, like, while I'm waiting for the subway, I could call somebody and be like, oh, "I'm headed to this bar." You know, it's pretty much always bars back then. Uh, and I would there was a payphone in every bar. And, and I had I had internet and computer and all that access at Standard and Poor's mm-hmm. where I was, you know, freelancing. So I'd send an email, you know, to so and so, be like, this is the bar I'm going to tonight. Boom, send that out to twenty, you know, my twenty closest friends. And if they wanted, they could come meet me. And if not, no big deal. Mm-hmm. Um so that was and so I didn't need a computer at home, didn't have a cell phone. It was real like a fun, freeway. Living sometimes, sometimes I wouldn't take the subway home. It took me two hours to walk from uh, Battery Park, <clears throat> where Standard Poor's is, to my apartment in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Whoa. And that was an awesome walk because you go through, like, you go by City Hall and Gracie Mansion where the mayor lives, and you go through a, uh, you go through a uh, Chinatown, Little Italy. And uh, Lower East Lower Side, East Side yeah. where the you know the pickles and the Jewish folks go across the across the bridge, end up with the Hasids and the um, and the Latin Americans in the in in South Williamsburg, then the Italians, then the and you know you'd go I'd go buy stores that sell live toads, I'd buy stores that sell you know like sheet plastic or whatever you know wow. everything you could imagine. It was so much fun. Uh, so magical, and yeah, yeah, no cell phone, just eyes open. So it's probably uh significant to note that that was far and away my most productive with the poems, mm. you know. Yeah, uh, that I that I've that I've been. Uh, but I'm also like just like a normal man of the species who like gets excited about any new electronic gizmo that comes out. And so I got a cell phone in 2000 when I, something... when, when I moved to San Francisco, you know, I didn't have a home base. So I got, a, I got a phone then the year 2000, but I stayed with, uh, I, st- I didn't have a smartphone until 2016. I, I stayed with just a chocolate bar kind of flip phone mm-hmm. until 2016. I just got my second smartphone ever like I, i've had one smartphone my brother and i got 
iPhones in August or summer of 2008, which is when the second one came out, which had the open source, so you could get the other apps that weren't just the ones that were on the phone. Oh, uh uh-huh. And then it's never so, ever since then, it's funny to think, 16 years now, I've been tethered to these little magical... You were you were the first person who was like, um, I do a lot of reading on my phone. I was, uh, like, I was like, oh, interesting. I've I've written I've written poems on this thing. I've right. written hundreds of poems on this thing. Right. I've right. used I've recorded songs. I've right. drawn funny little pictures. Uh, you know, it it's it's a tool. You know, which it's a tool in the hands of the user. It can be used for. Great things or really stupid things. They destroy us all. I, yeah. I saw a guy walking in Springdale General the other day, and I, I swear I could see the evolutionary change in his neck. He, I, I saw him walking in front of me. I was sort of walking south towards the bar, just going to check the mailbox. And then I, he like, you know, there's that little path with those sculptures. And he was just like plodding down that path, looking at his phone. I was like, I'm going to walk around the building this way. Mm-hmm. And as I came back, I met him, and he was walking forward towards me, still glued to his phone. And I swear, his neck was at like like his back came up straight, <laughs> and then his neck was like at a not quite forty five degree. I guess that's like a, a well, well, no, maybe yeah, like a forty five degree angle, or even more. No, it wasn't a ninety degree angle. He was probably at about thirty nine degrees. <laughs> Looking down like this, and I swear his like chin was receded a little bit to to make room for his neck to to go down, and he he never looked up from his phone, and I could he was like, he was kind of a tall guy, and his neck was just craned forward as he was just You're walking. Making my neck hurt. Just his phone, his phone. He was holding his phone at his navel, and he was just looking straight down at it. But you know, it progress. It's great. Technology and progress. I'm a real, I, I embrace technology, but at the same time, I'm pretty sure that it's ruining everything. <laughs> it's separating us from nature. And this is the segment. Uh, Rampy <laughs> starts griping. <laughs> you get off my lawn. Rampy's new Western you, Baptist Luddite trick. kids get off my laptop. Turns out he wasn't speaking in a metaphor at all. He was being literal. <laughs> Look, I think we should read a poem and get out of here. Okay. This has got to be the worst episode ever. <laughs> no Jesus. I was, I was actually going to say earlier, I'm pretty sure this is the best episode we've ever No, heard no, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I don't want to, I don't want to put it in anybody's heads. Hey, it's some, oh, did you see that we got another review? No. We got a new review on Apple Podcasts. Sweet. Yeah. We'll read that next time, because what else are we going to do? I wonder if that's my friend Colleen. Uh, she was hanging out. Jeffrey, you know, Jeffrey and I have been doing guitar lesson on Monday nights. I did not know that. Um, yeah, I've, I go and on Monday nights when it's slow and Jeffrey's bartending. And oh, wow, I see. He brings his guitar. Uh, I bring my guitar and I teach him how to play uh, old country songs. Camp Town Races. Yeah. Uh-huh. Super fun. So much fun. Yeah. And, you know, every now and then a regular kind of gets swept up into it. And including a new regular, Kara, who is a TBTL fan. Oh. 
she was like, we were doing that and we were singing and she was kind of, you know, into it. She was drinking Jameson's. And then at one point I saw like, she like called Jeff over and she was like, is that Schaefer? And he was like, yeah, that's Schaefer. She's like, oh, and I'm like, hi. Oh, oh she She's knows like, about you from your yeah, TBTL fame? Heard about you on TBTL. Uh-huh. Yeah. She lives in the neighborhood. She's super cool. Um, so that's real exciting. I was going to do this poem. Um, from the series of Houston poems, because because uh, these are this is a whole series of poems named after streets in Houston that I wrote entirely. I wrote them entirely on my iPhone. Um, so maybe that's cool. Maybe it's not. I think it's cool, man. I've I, never, I, def- uh, I definitely think if you're using technology to make art, that seems like the best use to tell them. You you were talking earlier about being 21 and not knowing what you were going to be when you were 26 or whatever. Like, yeah, I I didn't have that problem because I knew what I was going to do. I was just going to make art. I was cool. going to live, and I, I don't know. Yeah, no, it wasn't cool because <laughs> no, I didn't really make any plans for the future. I was just like, at that age. I was just like, it doesn't, the future doesn't matter. I'm just going to like wake up and breathe in and out all day and make art. And that's why I'm in this situation now. (laughs) Come on, read us a poem. Okay. Don't hurt our feelings. How about Sol Ross Street? Fill the courtyard up with plants for surely... It will never freeze. Leave a bag of books on the stairs for the neighbor's kid. That bike was stolen and stolen again. Can't remember whose. The old man next door has two swords from Toledo, Spain. The tea is out in the sun. The slide is hot beneath your thighs. Hide Easter eggs in ferns. Feel the April heat through your sweater. Whoa. I could feel Houston through that poem. <laughs> a lot of, a oh, lot of Houston man. in there. Wow. It's the train to celebrate. Go on home, you damn computers. <laughs> the future's all yours, you lousy bicycle. <laughs> that was fantastic. Uh, thanks, Brian, for getting back to us <clears throat> about... Uh, yeah, Brian got at us. ...about something. Maybe we should just talk about that for a second, because I was um, otherwise engaged today, and that came up on my phone, and I started to read it, and I'm I can't. He was talking about how we keep talking about the endings of stories, and oh, how yeah, yeah, they're all things. problematic. Yes, and he what he had to say. No, that's ranky tanky. Brian says, my point of view is, yes, most endings, especially with large casts, don't work. The Wire pulled it off because it really just ended with the next generation of good, bad cops, politicians, young addicts, young gang members, young vigilantes. It was great. I believe that when it comes to shows like Lost and Game of Thrones, we shouldn't allow the endings to depreciate the merits of the journey, which were mostly wonderful for both shows. Not giving the endings a pass. Just don't think we should let them negate the magic that came before. 
If we do that, old age will be very depressing. <laughs> good new episode. Thanks, Brian. You're absolutely right. He makes a good point there. And like, like, uh, but I would like to uh, like fine point this: humans' endings are real, you know, and there's reasons to enjoy. So there's reasons to enjoy them for that. You should enjoy a life for what it is. You should enjoy the fact that you know you have, like we were talking last time, you have thirty years left. You have twenty years left. You should enjoy that. Be conscious of it. Um, and and not you know like old age should be enjoyed and taken for what it is for the max because um, it's not a fabricated ending yeah. in Hollywood it's 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 yeah. the way the universe works yeah yeah <laughs> um it's the only real ending I, I love what Brian's saying there and but yes I when it comes may, to I, yeah I, when it comes to our entertainment absolutely right Brian I think he made for that I think he's very right about a lot of those stories. Except Lost. <laughs> Lost was all about this, like, it was moving towards something. Yeah. And then they they really, they had no idea where they were going. You know, they, the writers, they, they called that show Lost because the writers were lost. I did not watch Lost because I saw what happened to Lost fans at the end of Lost. Uh, but yeah, my understanding was... It was present itself as a mystery. You were supposed yeah, to be trying a, to figure it, right, out, right, right. And then that's the mystery it. was never if, solved. Yes, if there's some promise <laughs> of like figuring it out, a lot of other things just like sort of devolve into like subplots. And I, I didn't watch all of Game of Thrones, so I don't know how it came out. But um, but no, he's right. You 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 got to enjoy the. I think what he's saying is there is you got to enjoy the journey. Yeah, it's not about the ending. That is exactly what he said. Yes. But that's how I think about this podcast. And but now it is the ending. Where is um where Oh Grace Kang. Oh wow, yeah, nice. Are you starting a new segment? No, I'm looking at our review. Uh, there's no oh, way I was gonna wait uh, on this. Uh, oh. Magical brilliance. Have <clears throat> you ever felt like something was missing in your life? This podcast will fill all holes. Come for the conversation. Stay for the unexpected turns and magical digressions. Recommend this podcast to everyone I know. Spicy. Thank you so much, Grace. Man, She's awesome. That's fantastic. Um, I don't even feel like saying this, but I will for just ritual sake. The poor are the choices. Sweet of the way.